that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to Buckeye Talk. Another Market Down Monday here with your Cleveland.com crew. I'm Nathan Baird, joined as always by Doug Lamarice and Stephen Means back from a well-deserved vacation. Stephen, what kind of fun stuff did you do on vacation? Um, well, the first week I literally played video games every day. So it's been, yeah. <laughs> we can't go anywhere. That's, you know, I have nowhere I'm asking. So, yeah, I've played NCAA football every day for the first week. It's, it got boring really quickly. That sounds pretty boring. Um, yeah. We ran into the same thing. Went on our, we did a little honeymoon thing after our wedding, just a couple days, Southern Indiana, came home, and then we're basically just stuck in the apartment for a few days. So you could go like out in the nature and do some walks. I think we did that a couple days. But yeah, you can't like go interact with society that much right now. This is a tor- terrible time to want to go on vacation, but it is what it is with what we do for a living. So, Did you, did you feel like you got a, the break that you needed from Doug and I? That's the it's important just, thing, right? I, I want to interrupt here and say he's not done. He's only one week in. He's still on vacation. <laughs> oh, okay. He's he on another... vacation all this week, and he's coming off vacation to deal with this crap. That's so, true. Understood. I thought yeah. he had another. I thought his second week was was separate. So okay. So well, I guess that's the other question. So you spent one week playing video games. That was that was time well time time well used. I think you'll look sure. back someday on your deathbed and think, thank God I played that week of video games. So what do you have set up for this coming week? I'm going to leave and uh, I'm going to go back to Virginia and see some family for a couple of days. Yeah. So just family stuff. Cause you can still do that. And Virginia's, you know, semi open. I know they're not playing high school football, but yeah, other than that, you know, nothing too exciting this year for me. So I'm back to talk to you old geezers for an hour and a half. Wow. Well, maybe, maybe we will not uh, call Steven to join us next week on well, the he, next edition. He just of- spent the last week getting to be like, act like a 20 a person in his 20s. And now he's like, now 20s? I got to talk to two guys in their 40s. Again. Yeah. People in their 20s have jobs. He was acting like, like a 15 year old. That's not true. People play, might play, like, video, play a lot of video games. They, they play them. Now, I think the not people a whole around week me still have well, no, that's because they actually have other things to do. Yeah. When you're so you're like vacation. a 15-year-old home for summer vacation. That's Yeah, that's probably fair. To be fair, I'm 46. If I could play video games straight for a week, I probably would do it too. <laughs> which wh- yeah. Did you say which video games were you playing, Steven? I've been playing NCAA football. Um, I started a dynasty, and I've worked my way up from being the offensive coordinator at Kent State to now being the head coach at Colorado State, which I will – Stay tuned to see if that was a great career choice for me to get to a power five school that I really want to get to. But for now, um, I think I'm a better quarterback developer than Ryan Day could ever dream of being. What's your dream school there? Where do you probably, which job are you angling for? So uh, probably Texas, just because every single year, the recruiting classes, they just show a whole bunch of guys from Texas. So if I already have that in my backyard, I can not have to leave the state. And still, you know, maybe there or USC, because I think I'll do a better job of locking down California than USC or any other California school is doing right now. So, yeah, maybe either a school in Texas or a school in California. I don't want to go to Ohio State. That's not fun. That's what I do for a living. I don't want to spend my video game time doing that, too. Well, sure. We wouldn't want your, your video game time to be a waste of time. And did you uh, figure out a way on NCAA to set it up so we can find out how I've bad my spring roster been, would be. Your I have roster. been looking all week. So I'm going to put it out there to the Texas once again. If anybody can find it, 
please send it my way because I'm going to make this happen in the next seven days if it's the last thing I do while I'm sitting on here playing video games for the umpth time this in the last two weeks. I like, I like Nathan's strategy here. Video games are silly. Here's my eighth question about playing video games. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know that we have an audience that probably skews younger than my personal demographic, and they might appreciate some video game talk. So, um, And in a way, I'm glad that he brought up these playing NCAA football because it leads into this week's Market on Monday topic in some ways. He just talked about being a, a great quarterback developer on his game, and that's what we're here to talk about this week. It's about – uh, mostly quarterbacks, because our question is, and I didn't pose it to the, to the, to our readers this way, our texters, 614-350-3315, if you're not on board, $399 a month after a two-week trial. We, I didn't pose it this way. I just asked them for their 321 Heisman votes. But really, I think the headline that we'll probably put on this, because we make everything Ohio State-centric, is will Justin Fields win the 2020 Heisman Trophy? And... I guess that's going to ultimately be the question. We're going to give our answers in the second half of this. People can stick around to find out where we put or if we put Justin Fields in our personal top threes. We asked, like I said, our textures for their 3-2-1 vote. Um, but really, this, this whole Heisman race right now, as you go into a season, sets up as a two-man race at the top, Justin Fields of Ohio State, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, and then kind of who's going to maybe emerge from the pack the rest of the, the, the way. I guess my first question, though, for you, before we get into all that stuff for you guys is, and this colors every conversation we're having around college football right now, how much are, there's so much uncertainty of the, as to who's going to play who and if we even have a season, like, is it, did you find it fun to kind of think about something like this, or is it hard to to consider questions like this when there's so much uncertainty out there? Or I guess, how, how does your mind deal with a question like who's going to win the Heisman Trophy? Because we've definitely had texters who were kind of throwing it back at us like, well, there's not going to be a season anyway. I mean, you can't try to participate in something like this and, and consider COVID-19 for one second. I mean, there's just no point to it. Um, and we are getting uh, – I understand this, the texters who do go down that road. Um, someone someone, I, it was someone last week was uh, responded in a way that was sort of like, we were putting a lot of stuff out there about, hey, what about this with football? And what about this with football? And they were like, I love you guys, but you guys are going too hard on this stuff. Like, there's not going to be a season. And my answer to that is, until someone tells us there's not a season, we're going to act like there's a season. So we're not talking about Ohio State, Oregon anymore because they told us there's not going to be Ohio State, Oregon. But if we're going to do a podcast five days a week and try to have fun and try to talk about football, I'm just going to think of it that way. And I think that's fine. And I think that's fun. So I, I get it. But I, I get it if you think, like, chill out a little bit, dudes. But I also, if your answer is sort of like, man, what's the point? I don't know. Does there have to be a point? Right. I mean, like, does there, like, can it just be cause it's fun? So I think this is fun. We've talked a lot about, it's very hard to do market down Mondays with stats right now. So we're trying to do things that aren't stats related. We're trying to do things that aren't necessarily like we're saving a little bit of the team stuff because we kind of maybe want to see what some of the schedules look like. We're expecting the big 10 schedule, the new schedule to come out this week, but you can talk about the Heisman right now exactly the way you would talk about it in every offseason and so that's how i thought about it and i think that's a good thing to do 
Yeah, if we – this is supposed to be fun. We cover a child's game for a living, if we're going to be honest here. Every part of it can't be depressing. So at some point, you know, stuff talking about the eyes, I and mean, this is just normal, you know, preseason talk. And until there's no se- – until they say there's no season, we can still have fun conversations like who we think is going to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, to me, it kind of falls in line with why we went ahead and did the annual Cleveland.com Big Ten preseason poll last week. I uh, hope you all listened to the pod we did about that and, and saw the content that we put up about that. Um, Ohio State, the preseason favorite, overwhelmingly to win, and Justin Fields, overwhelming um, preseason favorite to be Offensive Player of the Year. But the, the reason you do those things is for, uh, to use Doug's great word that he used with me, for uh, posterity. Like, you, you, you put it out there as kind of like a historical marker a little bit, whether there ends up being a season or not. And I think the Heisman Trophy can't, uh, conversation is the same way, and especially when there's an Ohio State player who is so prominently involved in the discussion of the Heisman Trophy, who is either the favorite or the co-favorite or the runner-up, depending on who you ask, right now, I think, from the national consensus. I think it's important for us to to put that out there and then have the discussion that that deserves, regardless of whether the season happens. And I think we would have – it would have been – I think even if they had canceled the season last week, it would be worth us having a podcast that discusses – would Justin Fields have won the Heisman Trophy? Here's why or why not. Here's who else we think would have actually won it. I think those things are still important. You can't – you have to still – even if a season doesn't happen this year, you have to, I think, sort of fill in the the imagination of people and also just the the analysis that you would normally have of who were the great players because that's, that's what sports is – so ultimately for, for us as reporters, but especially for those of you listening as fans, it's, it's a discussion about who's better. It's a discussion about who's worthy. It's a discussion about why someone's better than someone else. And, and I think those things have to keep happening regardless of what ends up happening with games actually being played. So I didn't go back and, and do a, a full analysis. Maybe I don't know if either of you guys went and got this because we've talked about this before, about the numbers of how often this award is won by quarterbacks. Um, did how I guess how seriously did you guys look at other positions or do you guys feel like for 2020 and maybe there are specific reasons why in 2020 this feels like a quarterback race I didn't do research on quarterbacks I did research on the Heisman finishers in the playoff era and how like the top five finishers the top three finishers the winners how many of them came from playoff teams because I was very interesting interested in equating winning and I think it's a little bit easier now um, because it's a final four it's not just a final two you expand that a little bit so I was very interested in that there's it's so overwhelming I, I found some recent betting odds the top 20 guys in the recent betting odds you know what there's a couple running backs that are interesting right Chuba Hubbard's interesting from Oklahoma State Travis Etienne from Clemson is interesting I actually think Najee Harris from Alabama is is quite interesting. But, I mean, other than that, it's quarterbacks. It's, it's all quarterbacks, and I did not give much consideration to a defender. I didn't give much consideration to, like, Jamar Chase at LSU as a receiver going to win this thing. We've talked about, as you said, Nathan, we've talked about a lot. It's basically a quarterback award, and it takes kind of like a perfect – sort of combination of things I think for a running back to get in that mix but those are that that's it it's it's 85% quarterbacks 
Yeah, you can't even think about a defender until they've shown you some things three or four games into the season, like with Chase last year. And even if you say Travis Etienne, well, that probably takes away from what Trevor Lawrence is doing. So with Najee Harris and Chuba, they don't necessarily have a Heisman caliber quarterback that they would be taking away from in order for that to happen. So no, this is and when you're going into this from the preseason, it has to be a full quarterback list. I will say if Chase Young was back, and well, not, then, yeah. not saying that if Chase Young came back for his senior year, but if Kate, Chase Young had done as a sophomore what he did last year as a junior, and Chase Young as a sack monster, as a previous Heisman finalist, playing for what is viewed as one of the two best teams in the country, we would absolutely be talking about Chase Young as a preseason Heisman favorite. He'd be one of the top five betting favorites, I think. But if that, he was back. But that is such a very specific, tiny yeah. window, and there's nobody else in the nation defensively that comes close. And that's because it would already have been in your head because of what he did the previous season. And that's a requirement for a defensive player, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And that's a requirement. Like, I used to think it's almost a requirement for everybody. As we all know, Joe Burrow is 50-1 to 1 at this time last year and wasn't in people's heads, so it's not impossible. But I think for a defensive player, man, if you aren't getting some major preseason hype that is based on last season, you're, it's really hard, man. Mainly yeah, because you have, to com- you, you have to spend time convincing people the first – after you initially think about it, now you've got to spend another two weeks convincing people before you actually start to really consider it. And I think a year ago at this time, Chase Young was already on people's radar as the potential number one overall pick in the draft because obviously Joe Burrow hadn't really happened yet. And that, that kind of came out of nowhere and took that by storm. But he was already someone in that conversation, or at least a very, very, very high draft pick. Somebody who was already, I think, um, if you were going to guess going into last season, what defensive player anywhere in the country might make a run at it, Chase Young's name would have been on, on that list. But because he wasn't thought of, he didn't have that finalist stamp already, didn't have that kind of credibility already. I think you guys are right that if, if you don't, if you aren't already starting with that at a position like that, like Doug, you said 85% quarterback. And I would, I would go further and say, it's like, 85% quarterback, and then like about 11% running back, and then maybe 3% wide receiver, but that's like a dwindling number. And then like maybe the last 1%. That's how much of a needle Chase Young had the thread to be a finalist last year. Is it you're, you're just so far out of the conversation when it starts that you have to, to dominate in such a way to, to, get in that, to get in that kind of consciousness. And I, th- I think the guy who, who – who would be next up the non-offensive skill player who best fits like that, that needle threading this year is Panay Sewell, the left tackle mm-hmm. from Oregon. Mm-hmm. But if you think it's hard for a defensive player to be a Heisman finalist, let's talk about trying to make it as an offensive tackle, right? Well, I mean, I saw watching you, except you know, that, for people who really analyze football. So that, you know, like you got to be Orlando pace and right. then like on top of, right. I mean, John Hicks from Ohio state as an offensive lineman was a Heisman finalist, but I mean, it, it is so rare. So that's just, there's not, there's not a guy on the defensive side of the ball. Who's at all in the ballpark right now. Yeah. I was about to say Orlando pace did it, but, but I, Orlando pace at the time. And I was obviously much younger when it happened, but I can remember from the time was already considered this like force of nature. And I don't think people think of Panay Sewell the same way. Going into I saw season. someone, I mean, I saw a, a, a National College football writer tweet today because uh, uh, on Sunday, as we're recording this Sunday evening, we normally record on Fridays for the Monday podcast. But, and as you guys know, the Pac-12 players 
a bunch of them put out uh, sort of a list of things they want the Pac-12 to do or they are threatening a boycott of the season. Um, we're not talking about that on this podcast, but it's probably something we'll have to talk about a little bit this week. I'm not sure where to go with all that stuff, but the thing that happened is Panay Sewell signed on. He tweeted in support of that, and somebody retweeted that and said, you know, look what he's doing. The best college offensive lineman since Orlando Pace is supporting this. So, again, he's, he's not Orlando Pace, but he's exceptional because nobody's Orlando Pace. He's exceptional, and he's still not going to be a Heisman finalist. Yeah, then that's kind of almost being my point, though, is that, like, I think he's talked about in, in, in interior college football circles that way, but I don't think it's, it's expansive enough to maybe to, where he'd have a realistic chance of getting very high in the voting, probably even as high as Chase Young did. I think it's also harder for tackles to demonstrate their dominance the way it can be for a defensive end. So this is also, like we said, this is a year where there's an Ohio State guy at the top of this list, one of the the chief contenders for this trophy. Uh, Doug, I think you have a better perspective on this, but how does that, um, in, in your in your time covering this team, how does that sort of change a narrative around a team going into a season? How does it affect a narrative around a team going into a season when you've got a guy with that kind of spotlight on him, you know, a guy who's returning with this kind of accolades? I don't know if it's if it's probably been a while since Ohio State had a returning finalist, um, but because they've had other guys be finalists, Haskins and Young and, and, and obviously Fields last season. But um, how does it sort of affect the way people around here – think of the team and fans around here think of the team or how does it affect the way the team is looked at nationally? Uh, I don't think it does because, and I argued this, um, I wrote a really big story about Terrell Pryor, I guess before his junior year about Terrell Pryor's Heisman chances. And the, and the, the end result of that is the quarterback at Ohio state is a Heisman contender period. So like in, in terms of in the preseason, you're the quarterback at Ohio State. Ohio State is the most famous program in this part of the country. They are a legitimate, they are the best team in the Big Ten basically every year. They are in the national title mix basically every year. And so as, they, as we sort of saw college football move from a running back dominated sport to a quarterback dominated sport, the Ohio State quarterback's a Heisman candidate. So Terrell Pryor was. Todd Beckman, I still – I mean, Troy won it, which emphasized that, right? Todd Beckman, I swear to God, I I tell a story all the time. I asked Todd Beckman a Heisman question in the middle of 2007. I never would have imagined myself that I would have done that. Terrell Pryor was a candidate. Braxton Miller finished in the top five one year. He was the two-time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Of course, he's a candidate. Wouldn't he have been a preseason favorite had he not gotten hurt in 2014? If I'm not mistaken. I mean, JT Barrett in 2014 as a redshirt freshman wound up finishing fifth and nobody knew who he was before that season started. So, I mean, he is, I mean, just like you are JT Barrett was in Heisman discussions then Dwayne. I mean, like, so it's, this is just how it is. Now, if you're the quarterback at, you know, Minnesota, you're not automatically that. And it might even be if you're the, there's a lot of programs, a lot of good programs where you aren't automatically that, but you know, who's automatically a Heisman candidate, Oklahoma's quarterback automatically, you know, who's automatically a Heisman candidate Clemson's quarterback, like the best player at Alabama. However, that emerges Heisman candidate. So I don't think this changed anything about Justin Fields because I think in the modern era of college football, basically since Troy Smith won it, in 2006, this is what the possibilities have been for the quarterback at Ohio State. 
Well, I want to get right into our texter votes because it's going to give us a window to sort of start talking about some of these candidates and, and why they could be candidates and what it sort of means for, for the whole chase this year. Um, should have counted this up before, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. So we had 20 different players received a vote. Um, all of them are quarterbacks. A, fir a first place vote or a vote in the top three? A, a vote in the top three. So yeah, I asked, I asked our texters for their three, two, one, basically, you know, you get a three points for a first place vote, two points for a second place vote, one point for a third place vote. I don't know if that's how the Heisman actually does it, but um, that's how we did it for the purposes of this exercise. What did you say it was again? What, what was our points? Three, two, one. Okay. Yeah. That's what the Heisman does. Okay. I wasn't sure if they did five, three, one or, or some other modified version of that. But um, it, it, at the end of the day, you're, as we'll see, I don't think it would have changed our results very much. And people could probably guess uh, how this is going to turn out at the end with, with Ohio State fans voting for the Heisman Trophy uh, winner this year. But um, so uh, only one defensive player that got a vote, and it was Ohio State's Sean Wade. Um, I think that's very wishful thinking, but uh, it's the kind of third place vote you would expect one out of 78 Ohio State fans probably to cast. I'm not going to try to guess the identity of who might have voted for Sean Wade, but. Oh, I hope it was Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's Randy. God, I hope. I love Randy. I love Sean Wade. Listen, man. I mean, some positions just aren't going to win the Heisman. Sean Wade might be the best cornerback. Yeah, he might be the best football. defensive back in college football this year. Yeah. I mean, he, he really might be. But he's not on the eyes. But, so. you know, unless he's going to get back there and, like, return some punts for touchdowns and drop a Heisman pose in the end zone, he's not winning it. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of what a defensive – what a cornerback season would have to look like just playing defense in order to win a Heisman trophy. And it would have to be, like, 15 just something unheard of. Something, that, Stephen, that you could not even replicate on a video game, I think. It would have to be a once-in-a-lifetime monster thing that we can't really even – envision oh, um to, to that point yeah i had a guy catch 10 interceptions last season and he didn't even win a thorpe award so yeah um so five players who received uh one third place vote each uh alabama quarterback mac jones north dakota state quarterback trey lance auburn quarterback bo nix florida quarterback kyle trask uh, and then sean wade was the fifth one but those other four quarterbacks um interesting to me that i mean we, again we had 78 voters all of them Ohio State fans, so you, as you can guess, for most of them, that took up one prominent spot of the three on their ballot. Those are all four guys, though, that I could see getting stronger support and being higher on this list. If you, if Google, if you Google Kyle Trask and Joe Burrow, you will find multiple stories with headlines like, why Kyle Trask is the next Joe Burrow, or is Kyle Trask the next Joe Burrow? This guy took over because of an injury at Florida last year as a starting quarterback. He threw 25 touchdowns and seven interceptions, 29-41 passing yards, 67% uh, completions. Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews has Florida in the college football playoff. If you're looking for a team, and again, I would advise you, for instance, picking Alabama players as dark horse Heisman candidates is a really good idea because Alabama is oh, yeah. going to be good. Mm -hmm. Picking the North Dakota state quarterback as a dark horse Heisman candidate is not a good idea. I mean, you could be a draft Nick and I get it. I get it. I get that all the draft people love North Dakota state quarterbacks. He's not going to be in the Heisman finalist. So, but Kyle Trask 
an SEC team that could be the surprise playoff team, and and then why would they be it? They have some skill guys there, but if Florida makes the playoff, Kyle Trask is going to be their Heisman candidate. That is a – like if you're trying to put some money on some stuff, and again, probably the odds aren't great. Uh, there was a top 20 odds released um, that I referenced a little bit. He was like tied for 12th. So he's not a super duper duper dark horse, but that's the kind of guy to me that you want to look for because he's the quarterback of a team that might make the playoff. And if Florida does make the playoff, this guy's a Heisman contender. So I, I really like that kind of pick. And Mac Jones fits that description too, in a lot of ways, assuming he can get, win that job and keep it. It's like Alabama's quarterback. It's like, okay. You mean like, you know, cause Tua finished second a couple years ago and like, cause Alabama, like, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. I'd, I'd throw a flyer on Mac Jones. Uh, two points each. So this is either a second-place vote or two third-place votes. Uh, LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase. Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz, the only other Big Ten player who appeared on this list and who right now is not Wisconsin's quarterback. I don't think it's decided. Um, I mean, it's Jack Cohn, baby. Who's it's still Jack, Jack Cohn until, until we hear otherwise. But I think that's an interesting – if you're really taking a deep sleeper, and you're, <laughs> that would be an interesting one to, to somehow work his way into uh, getting some support. Probably not being a finalist, but getting some support. I can um, imagine like 70-year-old voters in the Midwest being like, man, that Graham Mertz guy, he dethroned Jack Cohn. He's getting my vote. And, and Graham Mertz and Sean Wade, if we're, if we're considering that vote, it were the only Big Ten players other than Justin Fields to appear on this list. And that's probably – I mean, again, if you want to throw some stuff, it's like if you think Minnesota, Minnesota has a shot to, like, win the West, it's like – I mean, Tanner Morgan's a more yeah. legitimate Heisman camp than those guys. If you think Penn State has a chance to win the East and knock off Ohio State – Journey Browns, more Sean Clifford. I mean, it's like one of those things again. Winning is so important, and I'll get to my stat on that. I mean, like you, you got to be good. You got to be really good. So you know, I mean, if you want to go down the Graham Mertz road, that's Graham Mertz wins the job or takes it early in the year, and then leads Wisconsin to the West title, and they beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Then you got some Graham Graham Mertz love, but you got to win. You got to win. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't count even Rashad Bateman, somebody like that that could maybe earn some votes. I, I would put Morgan higher just because of, um, the, the, again, the quarterback bias of this award, but I think it, somebody like that could be in contention too. Um, the other one's getting two points. Oregon tackle Panay Sewell, who we already mentioned, and Alabama receiver Jalen Waddell. But again, this is it's interesting. It's still like the only receivers – those are the only two receivers, Chase and Waddell. They barely got any support in this vote. And the one non-defensive player or one non-offensive skill player other than Wade, Panay Sewell, also getting very little support. So I think our, our readers are pretty savvy knowing that this is an award that's going to go to a quarterback or at the very outside chance of running back. And then finally, uh, a couple guys who got three points each. Sam Howell, the quarterback from North Carolina, who got a first-place vote. Miami quarterback Derek King and Georgia quarterback Jamie Newman. Um, and then – so then we start getting into guys who actually had some uh, multiple support, like some – Support across the ballot. Um, Ohio Star, I'm sorry, USC quarterback uh, Keaton Slovis, who got a first-place vote and eight points. Alabama running back Najee Harris, nine points. And uh, Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger, 13 points. And Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson, 15 points, but with two first-place votes. So that I thought was interesting, that there were some people who were voting Etienne high enough 
to be over the quarterbacks. And I don't know that – I like Etienne a lot as a player. I just don't know that I think he has the kind of um, – I don't know if they're going to give him the kind of workload that results in a Heisman Trophy. He would need J.K. Dobbins' level workload, and I don't know if their offense is set up like that. He's more of a complementary piece to their passing attack because they have so they have quality receivers and Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback. So that would have to completely flip in 2020 for that to even be a case, which probably takes away from Trevor Lawrence's case as well. So Travis Etienne, I mean, looking this up, I hadn't realized this. Travis Etienne finished ninth last year. Mm-hmm. And he finished seventh the year before. So he has two top 10 Heisman finishes. But to me, and we can talk about this more when we get to Lawrence, I don't see a scenario where Travis Etienne finishes higher in the Heisman voting than Trevor Lawrence. Because, I mean, Trevor Lawrence hasn't won a Heisman, but he won a national championship as a freshman. He had a slow start last year. I think last year was like the backlash to Trevor Lawrence, much like Peyton Manning got backlash as a senior that cracked the door for Charles Woodson to win. But I feel like Trevor Lawrence set up such a high bar for himself as a freshman. His sophomore year was a backlash to that. I think Trevor Lawrence's junior year will be a backlash to the backlash. And people saying, like, what are we doing here? This guy is great. How did this guy finish, like, ninth in the Heisman voting last year? And if you're trying to tell me that, that Clemson is going to be good enough for Travis Etienne to be a legitimate Heisman contender, what happened to Trevor Lawrence? Because even Steven, and I know you – like you referenced, he won't get a J.K. Dobbins-like workload. J.K. Dobbins finished sixth last year. Mm-hmm. You know, J.K. Dobbins finished three spots behind his quarterback. So, the, like, I would put no money on Travis Etienne. I would put much more money on random quarterback at a team that might be good. And we kind of, like, ran past Sam Howell from North Carolina and Jamie Newman from Georgia. Yep. If you want to slam some money on Jamie Newman – do you know how much talent Georgia has? Again, who's the next Joe Burrow? I don't know. A guy who transferred from a program to a place in the SEC that has a boatload of talent and has a chance to lead them to the playoff. Jamie Newman is practically, at least on the odds list that I looked at, he was the third choice behind Fields and Lawrence. Like Jamie Newman is a super possible Heisman pick. And again, like just somebody like that to me is a thousand times more likely than Travis Etienne, no matter how good Travis Etienne is. But also in a year where we're only playing conference games, we'll we'll see if they end up playing that South Carolina game since it's a rivalry and it's only postponed right now. But that might not go in Clemson's favor as far as getting two guys there anyway, because they're literally not going to play anybody else, anybody good. Yeah, but, but it's never hurt Clemson before to not play anybody. I mean, yeah. I don't think – Clemson's Heisman cases aren't built on their non I mean, so Travis Etienne will just like – I mean, those guys will just rack up stats against Boston College and every other crappy team in the yeah. ACC. I, I don't know that they had the SC- that much. But at least last year they had a, the SEC game on their schedule. They don't even have that this year. But, I mean, you may be right. That might be overthinking it, but still. Yeah. Clemson as a team historically now these last several years has done enough in the postseason that they have earned – the respect as a program that they don't necessarily need to go earn during the regular season I is what I would argue. I'm not saying that I feel that way, but I'm saying that that's probably what the consciousness Fair. is. And I think, so I don't think it matters that much who they're doing these things against. I think people just know more that those players are great because then when they get on the national level, they perform there too. Um, the, the person who voted Howell number one, it was uh, our buddy Charlie in the 773. And I'll just read his real quick. Really digging the momentum that Mac Brown is generating in Chapel Hill. This Howell kid also threw 38 TDs 
in all caps, 38 as a true freshman. Uh, with no Clemson on the revised schedule, Howell will put up numbers. Also, in a wacky pandemic season, it's only right UNC will get its first Heisman. And before I get into the, the, the four guys that I think are the, the, the finalists for our vote uh, or for our texters vote, I just kind of wanted to touch on that too, that I, I'm kind of preparing myself for that a little bit, that this – I know Fields and Lawrence are the two, like, far and away, I think, in, in the conversation – front runners right now um, that doesn't tend to work out at the end and I could definitely see somebody completely that we're barely even talking about tonight coming off the radar completely and and winning this award or finding their way into the top two or three or something like that and uh, of all the things that I don't like about the Heisman Trophy which is most things that's kind of one of the fun things is when somebody like Joe Burrow comes out of nowhere and plays not just spoiler but but just wins the whole dang thing so Let's let's just go down that hole really quickly. Let's just for a second pretend that North Carolina they don't play each other in the regular season, but we have conference championships games this year, and Clemson and North Carolina play each other in the conference championship game, and he already has some momentum towards that. I mean, I could see if North Carolina goes out there and upsets Clemson in a conference championship game, and Sam Howell outplays Trevor Lawrence, I could see him being a finalist. Hundred percent. That, That's that would be the game where he stamps it. The ballots are due at 5 p.m. on the Monday off after the conference championship games. And as much as we love to do preseason stuff and we love to do Heisman tracker, Stephen, you did a Heisman tracker last year during the season, and I love that stuff. The Heisman race can flip in two weeks at the end of the year. And if, if the season is especially weird and there's starts and stops and there's not non-conference games, so everybody's kind of playing in their little conference bubble and you're not exactly how sure good people – how sure – you know, how good people are. And then that's that exact scenario, Stephen, you get a North Carolina. Are they in the same division or are they in opposite divisions? They're in opposite divisions. They're in opposite divisions. See, I don't want to set up a North Carolina because I would do that. That's something I would do. Um, I, why would I know what division? What division? Yeah, no, I had to look in? it up before I made the point just to it's make the, sure. I mean, it's, if they were in the same division, a, they'd probably be playing, wouldn't they? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, because yeah, that was a – that was a – interdivision game last year but but if it's a messy heisman picture i mean the idea that it's like it could be this quarterback or this quarterback or there's a bunch of these good teams and then the acc championship game sam howell throws for five touchdowns and 360 yards and north carolina beats clemson like sam howell might win the heisman that's enough like good stats during the year in the mix and then when everybody's watching you everybody goes Holy moly, you just legitimized every stat you piled up. That is absolutely a not only finalist making, but that's like a Heisman winning scenario for Sam Howell. So uh, that's like, that's a really good pick. Now, North Carolina's got to be good. I don't think Sam Howell's going to win the Heisman if North Carolina is not in the ACC championship game. So I get that North Carolina is making a lot of waves. A lot of it's recruiting related right now and they're not going to immediately flip yeah. this recruiting buzz into on-field yeah. results right now now sam howell might enter 2021 as the heisman favorite for all we know but if you want to get in early on sam howell that's exactly again we're playing who's the next joe burrow i love sam howell as that kind of possibility um, and before I get into those four finalists, just these other three guys, Keaton Slovis from uh, USC did get one first place vote from our texter panel. Uh, Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama, who I think, I mean, yes, Alabama quarterbacks are good people to to bet on, but 
Alabama running backs too. That's an offense that they, th- those guys tend to thrive in. And several of those guys have been in the Heisman conversation in, in recent years, if not winning it. And then Sam Ellinger, the quarterback from Texas is a guy that I feel was kind of on the outside of this conversation a year ago at this time, Texas didn't really fulfill some expectations. I thought last year, they were probably a notch below where people thought they were going to be, but they're that because of that, they're almost a team there. They're kind of being looked at as like one of those post hype sleepers that maybe people have forgotten about them a little bit. I'd almost count called Georgia this a little bit. Like people have are, are dismissing them maybe a little too much and that they could be that kind of team that, that surprises wins the big 12 and, and gets back in that kind of conversation. So I, I could totally see him stealing some thunder there. Um, and Sam Ellinger has played a ton. Yeah. He's played He's a, known a quantity. ton. Mm-hmm. He threw for commodity, I should say. 1,915 yards as a freshman, 3292 as a sophomore, 3663 as a junior last year, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year, also ran for 663 yards and seven touchdowns. We know Tom Herman likes to run the quarterback. Sam Ellinger, it's a big-time program. They're crawling out of the depths a little bit. They're going to get TV exposure. He's a known commodity. He can throw and he can run, which again is in a close race is the kind of thing that can put you over the top because he's going to have highlights both ways, just like Justin Fields is going to have highlights both ways. Again, like Sam Ellinger, he's on a dark horse. He's in the whatever the group that the, there's Fields and Lawrence, and then there's the group below them. I mean, Sam Ellinger to me is, is definitely in that first group, like with guys like Jamie Newman right below the, the Lawrence Fields group. Speaking of the pack, uh, sorry, the big 12, that's where we're going to go with our first two finalists. So I, I put the cutoff at four. It always fluctuates every year, how many guys they bring to New York, the way our votes broke down. There's actually, I don't think it's gonna surprise anyone two runaway candidates for the first two spots. And then the next two guys who got the most votes, I declared our finalists. Cause then there's a little bit of a gap between fourth and fifth. So a uh, number four is Oklahoma quarterback, Spencer Rattler. He's the next in line of Lincoln Riley's quarterback projects that tend to find their way to New York in December. And uh, kind of, as we were talking about before, like if you're going to vote on somebody being a finalist and um, almost if you're, if you're in some kind of draft or something like that, and you want a safe pick, the Oklahoma quarterback right now is about the safest pick going. Man, that makes me want to do a Heisman draft. Can we throw that in at the end of this where we each draft like five guys or something? Sure. That's a great yeah. – because I will say this. Um, Kyler, magic, right? In and instantaneous magic. Jalen Hurts in, fully formed dude when he got there. Instantaneous magic, finished the second in the Heisman. Baker Mayfield – did not come to Lincoln Riley fully formed. Baker Mayfield's Heisman progression, fourth, then third, then he won it. And Spencer Rattler, to me, is much closer to young Baker Mayfield, who finished fourth in the Heisman, than he is to Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts. So I'm not saying he's not a good pick as a finalist. I will be shocked if Spencer Rattler emerges. He was 7 of 11 for 81 yards last year as a freshman. If he goes from that to the Heisman, I will be blown away. Could he be in New York? Sure. Who's going to doubt Lincoln Riley? But, but I think you have to view him differently than Hertz, Kyler, senior, fifth-year senior Baker, which are the three guys who have finished second, first, and first for them. I think that Spencer Rattler is the first example of can Lincoln Riley recruit a high-level quarterback and then develop him from scratch. Because, like, you just named the other three guys, but those are transfers. 
at different stages, obviously, but they're still transfer quarterbacks. Spencer Rattler, and then obviously they just got Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in 2021, to come in as well, is the first step of, okay, you've done it with transfers. Can you develop a guy that you've recruited, you've brought in here and brought into your system, and now can you develop him the way you have the, the past three years with other guys? Uh, the number three finalist on this list uh, is Oklahoma State running back Chuba Hubbard with 39 points and one first place vote. And as we've talked about, this is a quarterback award. And what kind of a season do you think a running back would have to have? All right, let me, let me say this a different way. If Chuba Hubbard is the Heisman Trophy winner in 2020, do you think it'll be about his excellence or will it be because the quarterback's at the top of this list either couldn't play or just didn't live up to expectations. And that opened the door for somebody to emerge from kind of a confusing mess of candidates. I think because Fields and Lawrence are such overwhelming favorites, I think something would kind of have to go wrong with both of them. And I don't, I mean, not necessarily an injury, but that like Clemson or Ohio state gets upset early in the year, like in a game where they throw a couple picks, like just something where a little bit of the, of the luster is lost off fields and Lawrence, because they are so overwhelming. They play the best position to win the Heisman and they play for the two best teams and they both have already done it. They're both coming in with absolutely earned hype. Uh, yes, I know we can point to all the examples of guys who were the preseason favorites and didn't win it. But, man, I just feel like both those guys are next level. Chuba is not getting past them only by being Chuba. So I think for him to win, it would take something happen with both of those guys. And then – and I want to get into sort of my explanation of the two ways you win it, I think, in the playoff era. And then he would just have to be unlike anybody that we've seen. He couldn't just be good. He'd have to be, be the good. Joe Burrow of running backs. He, yeah, but, which but, is but Oklahoma State's not winning the national title. No. Not, right. Sorry, well, but you vote before that anyway. So, well, but he's not going to be in the but, playoffs. But, yeah, so Joe Burrow's not the comparison for him. He would have to be the, – the comparison for Chuba Hubbard is Lamar. He'd have yeah. to be Lamar Jackson. Hmm. Because Louisville wasn't sniffing the playoff, but Lamar Jackson did things that made our eyes pop out of our heads. And then it didn't matter that Louisville was only the 12th or 15th or 9th best team in the country and not one of the best four because Lamar Jackson was unbelievable. So if you're not going to play for a playoff team, you must be unbelievable. So can Chuba Hubbard do that? Yeah, I think he can. But I think he would have to do that and have something be off with Lawrence and Fields. And I think some of this vote is reflected in, I mean, name recognition is a thing here too. Uh, I think his number one, he was like in that kind of fringe conversation last year for among the best running backs. And his name is Chuba Hubbard, which is a great name. So I think that probably helped him in the vote here among our texters. Uh, so the final two, and I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anyone. Um, so the final two are Trevor Lawrence from Clemson and, and Justin Fields from Ohio state out of the 78 ballots. So five, five of the first place votes of our 78 ballots have already been accounted from the other people. Out of the remaining 73, how many do you guys think Justin Fields received? I'll say 56. Um, 47. 69. Wow. This was, <laughs> this, was, <laughs> this was by and – and, and if you're taking the vote of 78 random college football fans – those guys would still probably be one and two on this list. I don't think Justin Fields would overwhelmingly win the way he did here. Uh, 69, he was named on 
maybe, maybe close to it. It was uh, 69 first place votes. He was named on 76 of 78 ballots, only left off of two ballots. Um, so he ends up with 221 points, uh, Trevor Lawrence, 112 points and four first place votes. So doubling up basically, and would win this in a landslide. Um, I think that it's completely possible that Justin Fields wins a Heisman trophy in 2020. I would be shocked if it was this kind of a landslide. I think if uh, all things being equal and, and something untoward not happening that keeps uh, Trevor Lawrence or other people from not being able to play this year. Uh, I disagree with that. I, I think what happens a lot is the vote is close in the head of each individual voter, but each voter ends up leaning the same way. And so I think it's possible, like, if Ohio State's clearly number one and Clemson is, say they're both undefeated, but Ohio State is just looking like they did for the first 10 games last year, and Clemson is looking like they did for, like, the first five games last year. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence has awesome stats, but Justin Fields' stats are just clearly better. You know, Trevor Lawrence, let's say they each play 10 games, and Trevor Lawrence throws, you know, 36 touchdown passes, but Justin Fields throws 44. And Trevor Lawrence throws six interceptions, and Justin Fields throws three. And Trevor Lawrence runs for four touchdowns, but Justin Fields runs for 11. Like, they both had awesome years, but, like, everybody in the end would say, I mean, Fields is just a little bit better. And I think you absolutely can get a landslide that way, that they're clearly the best two. But honestly, like, it's just obviously Justin. Or it could be the other way, and it's just obviously Trevor. Close, but in the end, not really close. I think Heisman moments matter as well. And I think one guy right now, just looking at how the schedules are, you know, panning out, might have a better opportunity for more of those moments and just louder moments than the other one just because of who they actually played this year and where those games are located. Well, here's an argument I would make on the other side. And I, well, actually, I don't know who you're voting for. And when you say that, but I'm going to say that one of the things probably in Trevor Lawrence's favor is he's already had one of his Heisman trophy moments or maybe even two of them here by winning a national championship and then getting back to a national championship game. You can't think for a second that those things aren't going to be in people's minds when it comes to vote this year, especially if it ends up being a tiebreaker going into this year's playoff. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. Cause Justin had some last, I understand he didn't, they didn't get to the national championship game, but he's had some plenty of Heisman moments as well. So I don't know if. No, but I'm talking about actually when you, when you achieve those things as a quarterback, that means but, something to people. But so, so, but let me ask you, so say you were voting for the Heisman mm -hmm. and you were very close between Fields and Lawrence, you would factor in that Trevor Lawrence won a no, national I'm not saying I two would. years ago. I'm not saying I would, but you know that I'm as jaded about the Heisman Trophy as anybody in the country, probably. And I'm saying that I think part of this electorate would. I think if it, especially if it's a tiebreaker situation, they would say, you know, not knowing how this year's playoffs are going to go, they would say this guy has already won a national championship. This guy has already then beaten the other guy head to head to go to a national championship game. I think that's going to mean something to voters. I agree. Voters are dumb. Buckeye talk. Voters are dumb. Buckeye talk. I have thousands. Not our voters. Not our voters. Not, not those of you who are listening. Oh no 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 not our no you're dumb though you're dumb as an AP voter and I was dumb as an AP voter and I'm dumb as a Heisman voter. I'm dumb. You're dumb. Our listeners very smart, very very intelligent choices. So the idea of a Justin Fields landslide obviously here is biased Ohio State fans. 
But I also think there's absolutely a scenario where Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are both good and Justin Fields wins in a landslide. Hmm. Justin Fields getting 97.4% of the first place votes in this poll. Last year, Joe Burrow set the record by getting 90.7% of all first place votes. So again, that this is a little bit more skewed, but it, it's, it's, it's ballpark when you start to factor in um, the, the allegiances here that people have. Um, anybody who didn't appear in this list and that, of those 20 names that you think should have been named on at least or surprised wasn't named on at least one person's ballot. You know, they did a really good job. I mean, I'm just looking at this top 20. I think it's important to have Ellinger in there. Jamie Newman needs to be in there. Jamie Newman needs to have a little more consideration than what the one vote or whatever he got. George is good. Like George is always good. George is one of the, is probably one of the four most talented teams in the country every year. This guy elevated Wake Forest last year. As we talked about, Wake Forest had 2,000-yard receivers last year. That's because Jamie Newman was the quarterback. Like, Jamie Newman is really sets up really well in a lot of ways. So I think it's important that he get hammered a little more than he did. Miles Brennan is the quarterback taken over at LSU. Do I think that LSU is going to do what Lincoln Riley did and stack Heisman Trophy quarterbacks on top of each other? No, not with Joe Brady gone. Um, I know Jamar Chase is back, but, you know, that's a guy who some people are putting in the mix. And then Ian Book at Notre Dame, the Notre Dame quarterback, I just don't, you know, I, he's fine. He's a good player. I, I don't think he's going to be that high. Um, and then I, I really think, I think the people covered their bases. Um, there's, not, there's not someone who jumps out to me of like, oh, my God, I can't believe you didn't vote for this guy at least once. Steven, anybody yeah. else that was on your radar? No, I think – I mean, maybe just – my good person, just for the sake of some people may still have that high of a defensive player getting in there. Maybe he just gets one vote for that reason, but no. I was going to say – I mean, we, we mentioned Tanner Morgan too. He was the one guy from the Big Ten that we didn't – that didn't get a vote that I thought might get a vote down ballot or – and when you're talking about the Heisman, you're not talking about only Ohio State fans voting. So you're talking, you're talking about hundreds of people spread across the country and things obviously tend to be a little bit more varied. The other player from the Big Ten, and we talked about this in our one of the podcasts last week, was Rondell Moore from Purdue. And I think of guys who are just like electric and like make people say wow. And he was doing that like really consistently as a freshman, including in some big games against Ohio State being one of them. So now he missed all last year being hurt. And I think that hurts his chances this year because I think as shown in the – Big Ten, internal Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year voting. He was out of sight, out of mind, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, for instance, if you were just going back to last year's um, all Big Ten list to kind of form your vote, he didn't show up on that because he only played three games. So I think that kind of thing's going to hurt someone like him going into this season. But he's also the kind of person that will – he's going he's to play on a team that's also not going to be in national championship contention, so that hurts too. But just the kind of guy who can go out and do those, like, jaw-dropping things – um, that could maybe get some support. Not not a finalist, probably, but somebody who will get some votes, I think, down the list. Um, so that runs through our texter vote. Uh, thanks to those of you who participated. If you want to participate next time and you haven't been on the votes, again, 614-350-3315-399 a month after the 14-day free trial. Kind of nothing to lose to join up and see if you like it. We will be back after the break with our own personal top three on the Heisman Trophy vote. You listen to Buckeye Talk. Welcome back to Market Down Monday on Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from cleveland.com. He's Doug Lee Maurice. 
Keys, Stephen Means. Hopefully you can see us all here on video for those of you watching on our YouTube channel. And uh, we're talking about the Heisman Trophy. Will Justin Fields win the Heisman Trophy in 2000, or 2020, I should say? Our readers say yes. The readers overwhelmingly voted Justin Fields as the number one vote-getter in their Heisman Trophy poll, doubling up in points Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. We're now going to talk about our votes. We each gave our top three. And, uh, Stephen, I'm going to start with you. I, I want to ask both of you first, though. So, obviously, there's nationally, there's two guys – just as it was in this poll, leading the conversation, Lawrence and Fields. How difficult was it to find a third person? How many names did you guys consider coming up with that third person? I have three, I have like six guys that I kind of had for the third spot, um, kind of basing it off, again, the idea of quarterbacks of potentially winning teams and then a couple guys who are just so exceptional they might be able to overcome not being on a playoff team but I, I actually think i mean it's one of the things you start digging in this is uh, this is a pr- it's a pretty interesting group it's hard because and i didn't try to research this i'm trying to think the last time we had two guys like this together at the top who were so obvious i mean by the end of that season when rg3 beat out andrew luck they were like that by the end of the year but rg3 at baylor wasn't like that going into the year so fields and lawrence are just so are so separated. They both have every single thing you would want in a Heisman candidate. If you could build the perfect preseason Heisman candidate, you would build Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So then when you go to anybody else, it's like, well, it's such a drop, but it is an interesting group. So I'd say like six or seven guys I thought about for third place. Yeah, same. About, uh, for a lot of the same reasons, who's maybe going to emerge as a playoff team just because last year all three of the quarterbacks who were involved were in the, happen to be in the playoffs. But also, you know, who might sneak up and who has a schedule where they could play this one where they're having some momentum being built and then they get to this game, whether it's a conference championship game or a week seven game where everybody who has been watching for a couple of weeks says, okay, can they have a moment really fast? And like I said with Sam Howe, he could have that type of moment or anybody else. They use that to catapult themselves into the conversation. And that's really what the third spot is because the other two spots are, yeah, they're pretty simple and plain. It's just whatever you want to put them in. I had about five guys that I looked at for that third spot pretty closely. Did before you guys tell me who your your top three were? Anybody that voted for a non quarterback? No. In my top three, no. Okay. I, I have a I have a guy. A non quarterback might be fourth on my list if I went to a fourth. Well, um, let's but, do that. Let's say because I think we probably all have that guy who was number four on your list when you finally he didn't get one of your top three votes, but who was number four? Go ahead, Doug. Najee Harris from Alabama. That. I think Alabama's going to be good. I think Alabama's going to make the playoff, and I'm not sure Mac Jones is going to be a Heisman candidate. And especially if you enter a world, and we've theorized about this on the podcast, if there's any world where Mac Jones begins the year as the starter and Bryce Young takes over as the starter and there's like a quarterback transition, almost like what happened with Clemson in 2018, right? Clemson won the national title in 2018 with Trevor Lawrence as a freshman quarterback, but Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to win the Heisman as a freshman who didn't start every game. If there's some, if there's a change at quarterback and like handing the ball to Najee Harris for 22 times a game is the driving force of an Alabama playoff team. I like that Heisman candidacy a lot. I think, you know, there's the, there's the exceptional Chuba Hubbard, Barry Sanders-esque, Lamar Jackson-esque, Christian McCaffrey-esque, you're just so individually exceptional. 
there's that kind of way for, for a running back to be a finalist. But I think the idea of like, you are the motor of a playoff team is also still a way to do it. Yeah. Spencer Rattler was number four for me and I get it. You know, he's only in his, he's been his first year start starting a quarterback, but so it was Justin Fields last year at this point coming into his first year as a starter. Lincoln Riley has had a Heisman candidate the last three seasons. And like I said earlier, this is the first time he'll get to do it from scratch with a guy he recruited. But also, if a team from the Big 12 is going to make the playoff this year, it's probably going to be Oklahoma again, which I think puts – if Spencer Rattler is having the type of quarterback season that we've come to expect from Oklahoma quarterbacks, there's no reason why he shouldn't at least – if there's four guys, I don't see a way where he's not one of those people in New York. So I understand first-year starter, but there was a first-year starter last year, and he still got into the got to New York. So why can't another five-star quarterback do the same? So Doug and I are actually thinking the same way. I had Harris as my fourth guy on the outside, but it actually wasn't all that close for me. And I'll go ahead and say who my, my number three vote was. And we've already actually kind of talked about him a lot, but it was Sam Ellinger from Texas, um, a guy who I think has just – He's been in this position. He's been in position to be in this conversation, the wider conversation. I think Texas, like I said, they they were a little bit. There was a little bit of a dip last year. I think from what people were expecting them or, or thought that they could accomplish. They had some close losses and some bigger games that cost them a standing as far as maybe contending for a playoff spot. But I think the door is open for them to do that. I think he's the kind of guy that could maybe get them there. I think he'll have the numbers as a quarterback. Um, it, it's one of those programs that has the attention and support where if you have a legitimate candidate, I think they can that can help them rise up. It's just, he seems like a very sensible and maybe too safe of a candidate to pick, but I, that's who my number three guy is on my list. Doug, you want to share your number three pick? My three is Kyle Trask from Florida. The case we made before, is he the next Joe Burrow? Uh, good numbers last year, an SEC team that could make the playoff. You know, I, I don't have Jamie Newman in my top three. I didn't mention Jamie Newman as my, as my fourth spot, but like, quarterback of an SEC team that's not Alabama that could win the national title is a, is a great way to go about this. So I think either Kyle Trask or Jamie Newman could fit that category. And, and I'll be honest about this. We are going to at some point, unless they cancel the season before we get to it, which I don't think they will, we're going to make our playoff picks. I don't know what my playoff picks are right now. So by picking Kyle Trask, I'm not saying that I'm going to pick Florida to make the playoff. I'm, I mean, Brett Ciancia has him in his playoff, and I think he's smart. So it's like that's – I mean, honestly, that's part of my thinking. But in the search for that kind of thing, that's why I landed on Kyle Trask. Yeah, I think it's a very reasonable pick. Steven? I went with Jamie Newman just because, one, yes, he's a really good quarterback who's coming to a team with a lot of talent. But also, their first game of the season is in Tuscaloosa. So he can get the ball rolling early with a win in Alabama. He – he shows up and has a great game, and now all of a sudden it goes from just preseason, okay, Jamie Newman is transferred to a team with more talent. To, okay, yeah, this is for real. We should really be paying attention to this. And then later on in the season, we'll get a chance at Kyle Trask. So he's got both of those teams on the schedule where he can get the ball rolling week one with a win over Alabama in Alabama and continue to keep the ball rolling from there. So Jamie Newman was number three on the list. And all those completely – reasonable choices and I actually think you know depending on how the votes break down maybe all three of those guys end up being finalists that make it to New York you could have as many as five or six or however many you know depending on how the vote shakes down so I would not surprise me at all if any of those guys or all those guys end up being in a, in a finalist position can I assume that you both had Fields and Lawrence one and two on your ballot in some yeah in some order tied for first so what did you say <laughs> you said our voters were 97.4 percent 
Yes. Voted for Justin Fields. Okay. That was his will, percentage of first place votes. Of first place votes. So yes. will the three members of the Buckeye Talk podcast have a higher percentage than the texters? It's like, oh, man, our texters, they had 97.4% for Justin Fields. I think the podcasters might be 100%. So, um, yes, they're the top two. I'm, I have Justin Fields one and Trevor Lawrence uh, two. As well, I have Justin Fields number one. I can't be the guy who said he's going to – be close to 60 touchdown passes and not think he's going to win the Heisman. Obviously, the 60 touchdown passes is out the window, but Heisman, yeah, I've been on the Justin, Heisman, Justin Fields Heisman, you know, bandwagon since March. So, yeah. And I actually, it was a very, very, very close. I went back and forth on this and I ended up picking Justin Fields too. And it 100%, came down to, you bunch of homers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and for me, it came down to, I guess how tough of the decision was for you guys between those two, because for me, it, it, I did go back and forth. Like there was a time earlier today, I thought I was going to pick Trevor Lawrence. And I was thinking that I, some of the arguments that I made earlier about him, the fact that he, I was trying to put myself in the mind of other voters and the fact that he has this other, the, the previous things he's done in his career, uh, both bad and good, but the, the, the things he's done in the postseason, getting his team to winning a national championship, getting to a finals, those things could make a difference in a tiebreaker. I also think the narrative of him supposedly having a down year last year, not even being a finalist last year, and then like, so then by just being really good this year, it seems like he's done, he's had some achievement by coming back from that when really it's all about perceptions and 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 stuff that he can't really control. But at the end of the day, what I picked, I decided to, what I think was the exercise here was vote how I would vote. And I think that Justin Fields is going to probably get some credit here because he doesn't have a, a Travis Etienne. I know he's got some talented receivers, but I feel like Justin Fields is going to be seen as the, the singular engine of this offense in a way that Trevor Lawrence might not. As much credibility as he has and as much credit as he gets for being a really great quarterback, I could see that being the difference, that being what pushes Justin Fields forward. The fact that his production – is going to be so central to this offense in a way that it might not be for Lawrence because he has Travis Etienne. And that was kind of my, my tiebreaker. But also Justin Fields has Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and some top 100 receivers. Right. But I, we I, don't but know. We don't know. What I'm saying is we don't know who Trevor Lawrence's best wide receiver is. Now that yep. Justin Ross isn't playing. And those That's are two, I think sort of opposite things that are both true. Yeah. Like, it's almost like Trevor Lawrence's running back might be so good, it slightly hurts Trevor Lawrence's Heisman chances. And the fact that his best receiver is out for the year mm -hmm. might slightly hurt Trevor Lawrence's Heisman chances. While Justin Fields doesn't have a running back who's going to take away, you know, who's running, who's the most important guy of the offense. And he does have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Julian Fleming and some different guys. So, and then I, to me, I had three reasons. Those were two of them. And the third one, now, if we want to pull up the highlights of Trevor Lawrence running through the heart of the Ohio State defense and killing them with his legs in the semifinal last year, we can do that. I think in general, when they're both healthy, Justin Fields is a more dynamic run threat. And so, again, in a tiebreaker where they can both sling it, they're both accurate, they're both leaders, they're both tough maybe I think Justin's a little bit better in that part of the game. And if we're splitting hairs, those are three hairs that I would split. ATN, no Ross, and the run game, and you lean Justin. I would throw one other factor in there, and that's – it's a little bit more cerebral or whatever, but I feel like Justin Fields 
still has more ceiling to reach for at this point of his career, maybe than, than Lawrence does. And I think that could end up, and we've talked about this before, like what he did as a, a sophomore for Ohio state, if, if he can take a jump over that, what kind of season that means, because he was really great as a sophomore. He was a Heisman finalist, 41 touchdowns, three interceptions, um, you know, had a, just this great mix of being explosive and really efficient. Um, some things that Lawrence basically, frankly didn't do that well for most of his sophomore year, or at least a considerable or, last season, a considerable chunk of it. So I think that could be a factor too, that maybe we just, those te- those guys are so equal in a lot of people's minds, but we really haven't seen the very best of Justin Fields yet. There's, I think there's just more to see there. And I feel like we've seen more, maybe more closely what Je- Trevor Lawrence is at this point. I think tre- the standard for Trevor Lawrence right now is unrealistic. Part of it is because he's been the foregone conclusion, number one draft pick since he showed up on Clemson's campus. Well, to your point, Nathan, yes, it seems like there's so much more that we can see from Justin Fields while we saw it all from Trevor in year one, that now if he's any, he has to be ridiculously better than that for him, which is why he fell out of the race early last year when he was still really good, but two interceptions and it's, oh, he's having a bit of a dip season. But he threw 36 touchdowns and over 3,500 passing yards last year. So it wasn't like he was terrible. It's just... I don't know if Justin Fields is the standard for Justin Fields is quite as high on a national level as it is for Trevor Lawrence because he's already been the foregone number one pick in the draft while Justin's kind of been chasing that since high school. And like Nathan, you mentioned that, you know, would some voters see it as, hey, Trevor Lawrence beat Justin Fields head to head in the semifinal last year. So that would put Trevor Lawrence ahead of Justin Fields, right? Well, I don't know. In a race like this coming into the season, do you want to be ahead or do you want to be behind? Well, that's do you a good want to point. be? Yeah. Do you want to be the favorite, or do you want to be the guy who's chasing them down and having everybody go, "Oh, I thought, but look at," you know? So, I mean, I, I don't disagree with the idea that maybe in the minds of people who cover neither Clemson nor Ohio State and are just part of the 870 voters, maybe right now they do have Trevor Lawrence ahead, but I'm not so sure that that's an edge for Trevor Lawrence when it comes down to it. No, I think that's a really good point. I mean, we had people from, from among our texters who I think there were two different people who voted. Um, this is string from this particular topic a little bit, but their number one vote went to the guy nobody's thinking about yet. And then like number two was Fields and number three was Lawrence. And I think there is, that's part of the, the Heisman narrative in the off season is like sometimes being the, the favorite is not where you want to be. It's almost like if you're in, in baseball for a while, they're like, if you can get in as the wild card and you get hot late, that actually helps your chances of, winning in the playoffs because you're, you're the team with all the momentum. You weren't the guy that was leading the whole season. And I think I, I see that playing out in the Heisman vote a lot. Like I think guys who um, come a little bit off the page, I think it just, the excitement builds for those guys a little bit other than the guy who's supposed to already be there. But that both guy of these guys won the last few years. The guy no one's thinking about has won the hot Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray. I don't know how many people were thinking about him the first couple of weeks of the season and out of nowhere ends up winning the award. That was two of us to win when the, season, the 2018 year started. And, and the year before that, the obvious guy won. The guy yeah. who had finished fourth and third, and then Baker won mm-hmm. in his last year. So, I mean, there are examples of both, you know, and it, it's – that's the hard thing. And that, I, I love the idea. I hadn't seen that from the texters. The, the vote is for that guy, the guy off the radar. The hard thing is picking the right guy. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, say you're betting on this. It's like, well, I could bet on Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, or I could bet on Guy X. Well, you might have to make 20 bets to cover yourself on that, right? It's like, well, it might be Sam Howell, or it might be Jamie Newman, or it might be Kyle Trask, or 
It might be the, you know, and, and that's the hard part. I think you can look back at Joe Burrow and there are some things about Joe Burrow that it's like, man, maybe we should have seen that coming, but nobody did. Nobody did. So I mean, maybe, maybe in December we'll be looking back and say, man, I can't believe nobody was in on that guy, but I'm not going to pick that guy over the two best players who are projected to be the top two picks or the quarterbacks for the two best teams. So. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question to that was, okay, so you've got a hundred dollars or whatever, and you have to bet it. Are you betting it on Justin Fields or are you betting it on the field? So the, the odds that I was referencing, I think it was from William, William Hill Sportsbook, and I saw 247 Sports put it out. So I was reading it off their page. Justin Fields is the favorite, but he's three and a half to one. He's not one to one. So if you're telling me I can put 100 bucks on Justin Fields and win 350, that's where I'm going. Trevor Lawrence is four to one. So they're, but, but like that's enough of a – like the fact that there are two of them I think gives you a chance to make some money on it because it's not one guy who's so obvious. There's two guys who are obvious, but which one are you going to pick? Uh, I would put my money on Justin Fields because throwing darts on Sam Howell or Jamie Newman or quarterback X uh, is, is flushing money down the toilet, which but, I do all the but, time. But you're not throwing darts. To, though, yeah, the, Justin and Trevor don't have to take leaps to do it. Everybody well, but else you're not unnecessary, unrealistic leaps to pass those guys. It just feels but, like. Yeah, the the point of I was making though was like when you take the field, you're not throwing the darts anymore. You get you're throwing well, one giant dart at the same dartboard. But what's the? I don't I don't know what the odds are on that. But I don't but, know. But again, I would. I mean, it's one of those. If you said, if I, I I'm terrible at setting odds, so it's like okay, if you could take Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence as a combo bet, or everybody else. I mean, I'd take Justin Fields. I mean, to me, they would be what? I don't know. I would expect that there's a, a, a two-thirds chance, a 67% chance that the Heisman winner is Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. And I know. I get it. I get it. All the surprises. I, I get it. I get it. Johnny Manziel, nobody knew. Joe, I get it. I'm just saying, I, this is, I just think these guys are, are a little different. And I know it might get wacky, but, man, they are they are. 1,000 – I'll tell you what. Here's the one thing that I think Justin maybe isn't, that Trevor might have a little bit – Trevor's out there a little bit on social media, that kind of thing. I'm not sure what the Just Tom the Rinaldi the – the hair. He looks like the, the daughter on Ozark. That matters. I don't know what the Tom Rinaldi-Justin Fields feature is exactly at the Heisman ceremony. And I guess – because just, I mean, maybe it's, it's Justin. It's the yeah, transfer, but the Justin's, Justin's got to. He hasn't really told that. Like, Justin, and, and when Troy won, they did this all the time. They started having, I've talked about it. They had, every Wednesday, they had a conference call with Troy Smith, with national writers. Justin's going to have to tell his story a little bit, because this is a pageant. This is a beauty pageant. It's not just about how good of a player you are on the field. So as all this is going on, Justin's going to, I think, have to become just a little more out there. Um, and I think he certainly has that. I mean, I think he is a very – he clearly is a leader for his team. And I think he has all the characteristics, the personal characteristics you would want. But I think he has to take a little step there. What I meant by as a transfer, it's more just how did you feel watching Trevor Warrens win a national championship as a true freshman and you didn't even have the chance to show if you were able to do that or not? And that's 
uh, eventually he's going to have to answer that question. And right uh, last season, it was just, you know, I'm not really paying attention to the other quarterbacks. But even when he was on, you know, the QB1 show on Netflix, you didn't really learn anything about him on that show. No, you have to be able to, and this is like PR stuff. You have to also be able to to define yourself not in reference to someone else. So I think Justin Fields at some point has, he has to get past that. His only story can't be, I've always been overshadowed by Trevor Lawrence. And we're getting into some like Magic and Larry made a whole career out of doing it, so I don't know. Maybe you know. I don't know, and I think overshadowed is a little bit strong too. I mean, the fact that you're like you're one and two in the national rankings doesn't actually mean you're overshadowed by the other guy. He was just number one, and you had an incredibly high rating too. But somebody has to be one. But you're always number two. You know, Kevin Durant won an MVP going and doing a sit down interview and complaining about that. I was always number two, and I'm sick of it. But as you said, Trevor Lawrence, who was number one, won a national title as a freshman. Justin Fields had to transfer. And then when Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields played head-to-head, Trevor Lawrence won. So, like, in every aspect, he's still (laughs) number two, which might be a thing. And this is not – he has never, at least since he got to Ohio State, and I don't want to misspeak here, he has not gone into depth about his decision to transfer Mm -hmm. and the – well, let's be honest. In this, the racist language from another person yeah. that factored into that. And I'm not trying to, um, like, belittle that, right? I mean, that's a very serious thing. We're not trying to be glib, but in this moment, that's a topic that is, will draw yeah. some attention. Tom Rinaldi's going to want to talk about that, right? And so I'm yeah. just and, – and, and it's not even about sympathy, you know, whatever. I mean, like, Justin Fields is his own person, but it's just going to be interesting to watch – Justin Fields tell his story during the course of this season because man the guy can play the guy can play but there is about 25 percent of the Heisman competition that's a beauty pageant and you've got to be able to get up on the stage and tell your story and that's going to be a small part of this I think you might be underestimating how much of it is beauty pageant but that's a maybe a topic for another day I think we've actually had that argument before but um so I think this, the reason we, we talked early in this podcast about why we have discussions like this when there's so much uncertainty about the season. And I think it's you know, having this discussion, getting these votes from the, our texters who are overwhelmingly Ohio State fans, maybe 100% of them are Ohio State fans, I would assume. And the three of us who cover the team and are trying to be unbiased but still voting in this, it kind of shows what's at stake for Ohio State. It's another example of what's at stake for Ohio State this year. Like, it's not that often that you have a returning Heisman Trophy quarterback who's in position to win that championship. And obviously there are graver things at stake in the country because of COVID-19, but it shows from a football standpoint what's really at stake and why there is some trepidation among, I think, Ohio State fans about what if this season gets washed out and you miss your one opportunity to see what could unfold with this kind of player, this kind of guy out on the field um, making the most of his Ohio State career. I texted this the other day and I don't, I don't know if it's to me, it's not worth talking about it still until it happens. And I, cause I don't think there's anybody listening this to this who doesn't realize it. No team in college football has more to lose by a canceled season than Ohio state. No, I, I think I agree with that. I agree. So, I mean, that's just, that's not what anybody wants to think about. It's not a shock, but that's just where things are. Bama has been Bama. This is just, 
Saban doing it again. Now, of course, the individual players, they're individual Alabama players who aren't particularly that worried about whether Nick Saban won a title eight years ago or not. But Bama's Bama. Trevor Lawrence has his ring. LSU got theirs and got out. Oklahoma's never proven across the board that they're actually good enough to do this on both sides of the ball. Ohio State's absolutely good enough to do it. They have a Heisman favorite as their quarterback. And last year they lost in the semifinals when they thought they should have won. So, and they haven't won a title since 2014. And it's all lined up. And then if they don't play this year, they're going to wind up starting a guy in 2021 at quarterback who's never taken a snap in his life in college. So that's what's at stake. So, which is not fun to talk about, and we won't talk about it. We're not going to dwell on it until, until maybe we get to the point where it's over. Well, because I don't want to end on that note. I, I have a thing. I the- research <laughs> stuff. I, I have my research that I have to get out, or I'm going to oh, okay. rip this notepad in half because oh, it's like, do it. I, uh, I mean, if I do like three minutes of math, I need to at least talk about it for 30 minutes. <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay. Here's my – so there, there's six years of the college football playoffs so far. That, hey, do you have a that, visual aid? Legal pad. I thought you were pulling down like a, like a, a like an old map like on the pro- over the blackboard. <laughs> if you can see, I'll get my overhead projector. So those pointy sticks. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Then when I put these glasses on, I need a pointy stick. And so in the six years of the college football playoff, the top three finishers in the Heisman—that's eighteen total guys, right? Of those eighteen guys. Top three finishers in the six playoff years. How many of them played for playoff teams? Is your, what's your guess, Nathan? Eight of out of eighteen guys, I would say twelve. Stephen, ten, eleven. Isn't that nice? It was right in between. So we've done a, we've you done a each lot. get yeah, half a treat. Eleven in the playoff, seven not in the playoff. These were the seven guys who weren't in the playoff. Melvin Gordon with Wisconsin in twenty fourteen. Awesome individual individual season. Christian McCaffrey for Stanford, 2015, unbelievable. 2016, Lamar Jackson wins it, unbelievable. Third place, Baker on his way, but Baker on the way up. 2017, Bryce Love. If the next time a Stanford running back finishes in the top five of the Heisman voting, whether it's Toby Gearhart or Bryce Love, everyone who voted for them should have their ballot permanently taken away. I guarantee you, no matter who it is, the Stanford running back is never the, bless, the best player in college football. Stop voting for him. Does Bryce Love have a job right now? Who is Bryce Love? Does he play football? Or is he completely out of football three years after he finished second in the Heisman race? I don't know what the answer to that is. I'm it's so sick of it. It's so stupid. I did one kind of research. I that should be on the second. second thing you're pulling down. Yeah. That's the second slide. It's not, and it's not Bryce Love's fault. Congratulations, Bryce Love, on your season. Just nobody should vote for you. Uh, third that year, Lamar. The year after Lamar won, he finished third. Just and then Dwayne has Bryce Love plays for the Washington football team. Washington football team, yeah. I've been waiting so long to say that. Right. So Finally, long. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and he, boy, Bryce Love really has a lot. Nobody. So, and then uh, Dwayne Haskins finished third in 2018, the year that Ohio State didn't make the playoffs. So the seven guys to recap, Melvin Gordon, Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson twice, Baker Mayfield, Bryce Love, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins threw four gazillion touchdown passes, right? I mean, if you flipped on Dwayne Haskins' film, it was bonkers. And by the way, they almost made the playoffs. Yeah, they, they were like five or six that year, if I'm not 
mistaken. So, like so to me, were... as we're trying to figure this out, are you going to finish in the top three of the Heisman? Well, if you're not Christian McCaffrey or Lamar Jackson, you probably better be on a playoff team. So that, I mean, that's not a shock. But when I'm talking about, again, like the people I'm thinking that, that I considered, it's like, you know, Derek King from Miami, the transfer to Miami. Could that guy be exceptional and Miami's going to be eight and five or whatever? Like, yeah, I think he could be. I considered him for that reason. Chuba Hubbard, I considered like on the Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey reason. And then the rest of the guys, Najee Harris that I considered because your team's good. Sam Ellinger, because I think maybe Texas could have a shot to make the play. Like, boy, oh boy, you, you have to be so rare if your team's not going to be in the playoff. So I just, for people, when you're thinking about this stuff, man, if you're voting for a team that you really think is going to be like seven and three, that highlight film better blow people away. And to, to this point, that's been the case. Now, that we don't know yet what a postseason would look like in 2020 if there is one. And we think the 18 thing is coming. So that's going to change that dynamic a little bit, probably. You're gonna, it's, it's just going to be easier mm-hmm. to get in. So, um, but at, which, to, to which now, means every finalist right. will probably be a, in the playoff at that point. Unless yeah, you are Lamar Jackson yeah. or Chris, Christian McCaffrey, where the guys who come for the Heisman finalists will probably be playoff teams or they're not getting in. It's just like yeah, I think especially when you start talking about a quarterback, because I think you're, if you're seen as a quarterback of a team that's only like nine and three or whatever and ten and two, and what would those two losses have to be to keep you out of an 18 playoff, I think that could be a tougher. So, yeah, I think you are probably going to start to see more 100% year after year. Um I wanted to end on some of the, the fun votes we got. There were a couple of them. Um, this is from Andrew in the 330. He voted Fields, Lawrence, Rattler, and Hubbard. And in number five, Doug is Ohio State's running back, getting eight yards per play, 210 attempts, 1,700 yards, running behind this Ohio State offensive line. To be clear, no player will touch Doug until eight yards, at which point he will willingly go down. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's two-hand touch. I'm playing two-hand touch. Maybe the defense doesn't realize it, but I would be – I can drive the Myers-Davis superhighway. I'm going to be honest with you. If, if Doug – if that ever – in a world where that happens, Josh Myers better win the Remington and Wyatt Davis better win the Outland Trophy by a mile. I think they're the two that should win the Heisman in that it, case. Yeah, it should be a co-Heisman. It's just those two. And Paris Johnson, if he's a starter, should be a – first team all-american as a true freshman i do like how it, he, he gave you credit for this being college football where you could just go up there and just flop and then the play is over whereas in the nfl they get to still take shots at you you're not down until they touch you sure. but here it would be you'd be taking the smart way out i suppose and smart I would be, being one adjective you could use there i would be screaming as i went down <laughs> i would be like i would be screaming don't tackle me don't tackle me i'm going down i can imagine you just like closing your eyes just like clenching your eyes and just Imagine that. So would I too, by the way. Like I would be absolutely terrified out there. It's insane. That first, that first practice, and Tony Alford hears that. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I think somebody (laughs) else. I think somebody else voted. Stephen one, me two, Doug three. Now I'm mad. And now I took. Well, I took exception to that because again, I'm the only one of the three of us that played any high school football. It was a. It was an embarrassing debacle, that you could barely even call football. But I was actually on the football team. Um, did have a carry in a varsity game. So we should give that, that texture deserves a free month. I'm starting with more stats than either you guys did going into this season. So, okay. 
like I said, whoever that texter is, give them a free month subscription because that's probably the smartest thing we've ever received. Well, they got a free two weeks, as all of you will if you want to join the Buckeye Talk text crusade, 614-350-3315. That's going to do it for another Market Down Monday. But as you guys all know, we do this every day. We're going to be coming back at you all five days this week. We'll have another Market Down Monday next week. We're kind of holding the topic back right now because some things are up in the air. We should know more about the Big Ten schedule this week, as Doug said earlier. That might determine how we do some things coming up for market on Monday because we're going to be doing some more big picture things like this predictions for the season. Um, you know, what's Ohio state's record going to be, who are the playoff teams going to be those sorts of things. That's what's coming up in the coming weeks. Anything else from you guys before we sign off? Just as a reminder, we will have an emergency pod when the big 10 schedule comes out. So it will be this week. It, it could be as early as Monday, I think. Um, but whenever it is, just look for that. We'll try to get that podcast up within two or three hours of the news coming out. We'll write very – we'll text. We'll write quick first stories, and then we'll podcast. Do we want to say something real quick? Because we haven't um, – the Gabe Powers commitment on Saturday. We haven't had a chance to talk about that. And, Stephen, you were obviously on vacation, so I had to mm-hmm. kind of jump in and pinch it there. But just real quickly, a couple minutes. What does that, in your view, mean for Ohio State? And I guess maybe what does it mean for this 2022 – class that gives them two linebackers two in-state guys they're in good shape there are there still guys are looking at it linebacker and where do you see them going there yeah the sonic mccullough still at the top of that list of linebackers scott um steve whiffle put out a crystal wall saying that he's going to choose ohio state as well we'll see if that happens in the coming weeks he was pretty excited when gabe powers joined the class before ohio state al washington showing he can recruit and go get top guys top linebackers this is going to be the class where he gets to show that skill off a little bit more but also they continue to lock down Ohio. That's four of the top five players in 2022 out of your backyard. So, it, you know, C.J. Hicks as well, being Captain Buckeye, doing his part in this as well. It seems like things are running smoothly as usual for what you should expect from that 2022 class as regards to linebackers. But Desan McCullough is the guy everybody should be watching from here on out to see what he does. I, I will note, not to be a downer, uh, Mark it down, Stephen and Cam Fields were both wrong with their pickup of who the next verbal commitment would be in 2022. Stephen said it would be a tight end, and uh, Cam said it would be Desan McCullough, and Gabe Powers beat them both in. So To be fair, yeah, but Gabe also told me that he wasn't – told everybody around the country – he was yep. going to wait a year to do this. So some yeah, he was must way ahead of schedule from what he yeah. had said his schedule was, not even yeah. what people were speculating. So um, that I thought was interesting. But it's, it's, this is the second year in a row where they're building what looks like the foundation of an elite class, and they're doing it within Ohio's borders first and then branching out from out of there. So I think that's – I would – I don't know any of this to be a fact, but to me, if you were Ohio State and you had an in-state top 100 player – who said, I'm going to wait a year to commit, you might encourage him to commit now so he can start working on the rest of the class. Yeah. So yes. this is perhaps – because we know what the – C.J. Hicks is already doing work. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give C.J. a little help, and maybe Gabe Powers got a message like that. Yeah, and that, that's one of the kind of interesting things to me in recruiting is how those conversations go. But if a guy comes to me and says that, and I'm Ohio State, and you're from Marysville, I'm like, okay, well, what – what haven't you seen yet that you need to see that we can now explain to you? And I, I wonder if that's maybe how that conversation got steered. And sometimes guys come to the realization that this team that I've always wanted to play for and is right here, they want me. 
I don't, I'm probably not passing anything up by making this decision now. So, um, uh, but like the difference of like, well, what's, what, what's the big deal yeah. of whether I wait or not? Well, the big deal is that you're not going to be able to be as persuasive when you're talking to other kids, yeah. when you're not committed to Ohio state, you might say, Hey, I'm really thinking about Ohio state, but it's like, well, why didn't you commit yet? And yeah. it's like, well, so, you know, it, I, I just remember, you know, Josh Myers talking about it. Josh Myers committed and then just said like, don't bother with me, yeah. go recruit everybody else, go sit outside Wyatt Davis's house. I'm good. So that's part of it too, that like the idea of what well, does Al Washington need to like keep stay on top of Gabe Powers and not that they stop recruiting you when you commit, but it's it does. It's different when you're in the class yeah. versus when you're done, especially at a time where we're not sure when you're going to be able to come back on campus. So a lot of the things that you were maybe looking to check off as a guy who's still two years away from being able to get on any college campus as a, as a student, why not just make the decision? And, and more to the point, you don't know when guys are going to get to come, but you also don't know what's going to be available for Ohio State's coaches going out and seeing other guys, kind of what Doug's talking mm-hmm. about. The guys you're going to have to go chase more. The guys you're going to have to uh, put in more legwork to go get on a national scene. This kind of frees them up to, to go do that a little bit more. So I think that's underlying one of the big reasons why this was a, a well-timed commitment for Ohio State. So that's going to wrap it up for Market Down Monday. Like I said, join us the rest of the week. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>